Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known, by forever daddy, oh how we love you so, I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Anybody ready for the word this morning? Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Amen. I like to start with a quote. Here's our quote this morning. All I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have not seen. I said, all I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for what I have not seen. And here's, here's the second one. I really want you to hear this one. Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. I want to talk to you this morning about who you trust in. In a message titled, You Hold Me. Amen? Now, listen, this is really heavy on my heart this week, and I've been talking to so many people about this, this stuff this week, because it seems everywhere I turn these last few weeks, I don't know if you feel it, maybe some of you can identify an amen, but there's been a struggle. Anybody? Everywhere I turn, everybody I talk to, there's, there's a struggle, man. And I know, you know, it's typical. That's just life. We all struggling, right? But, you know, sometimes, you know, we, 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 we struggle in our health, but we get victory in our relationships. Or, or we struggle in our finances, but get victory in our health. Or sometimes, you know, vice versa. But, but it seems the more I talk to people in these last couple of weeks, everybody's struggling. We're getting hit from every side. Yes? See, lately it seems that there's just been an attack on every front, on the finances, on health, on relationships, on our children. Listen, I wish the body of Christ would understand that we are in a spiritual battle. There's spiritual warfare going on all over this land and in each of our lives. Amen? Amen? Frontline soldiers right, right there just waiting. <laughs> He said, I don't care what you got to talk to, I'm answering the altar call now. See, it's a, there's a spiritual battle all around us, man. And, and really what it boils down to and what I find myself kind of, you know, struggling with and, and what's always a struggle if we're just honest with each other, it's a struggle to, to decide who we're going to trust, isn't it? Amen? See, when it all boils down to, what, what it comes down to is who's holding who. 
So I want you to hold on to that because I'll be closing with that. But, 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 but listen, we've been kind of walking through, not kind of, we've been walking through a study of the book of Genesis. And, you know, the reason we're doing this is because we need to study, amen? Because we, we, we study because we need to learn. Because the more we learn, listen church, the more we grow. And the more we grow, the more equipped we are. And the more equipped we are, the more we understand. And the more we understand, the more we press on. And the more we press on, the more the further we'll go. And the further we go, the more we accomplish. And the more we accomplish, the more we believe. And the more we believe, the more we can trust and the more we trust the more we study and the more we study the more we learn and the more we learn the more we grow and the more we grow the more equipped we are and the more equipped we are the the more we step out and the more we step out the further we go and the further we go the more we accomplish and it all comes back down to the more we see the more we believe amen faith is not belief without proof but trust without reservation. All right. So we've been doing a study on the book of Genesis and we left off in Genesis 14. And if we can learn one major lesson from Genesis 14 so far, I think it would be this. Are you listening? Where you are and who you're with matters. Where are my single people? Where you are and who... Oh, where are my married people for that, for that matter? <laughs> See, Lot chose... We know the story by now, I hope. Lot chose the land by Sodom. Lot chose to, to camp in Sodom. Lot chose to run with the people of Sodom. And when the kings came from the surrounding lands to conquer Sodom, Lot and his family were taken captive. Now, understand, they didn't come looking for Lot. They, there wasn't a contract on Lot or on one of his, his sons. They came looking to take the people from Sodom, but Lot was with Sodom. See, it matters who you're with. Amen? So, in, in the middle of, of you know, Lot, Lot was with them, and, 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 and where you are and who you're with matters. In the middle of this battle that we're all still in, never stop telling your kids that. Never stop telling our young people that. Where you are and who you're with matters. Amen? How many stories have we heard? Uh, he wasn't doing anything, but he was with them. Well, well he's locked up now, isn't he? Well, well, he, he wasn't really, he wasn't part of that, but he was in the car with them. Well, he's locked up now, isn't he? Right? It matters who you're with. And let me, I won't even get into relationships yet, but it matters who you're with. Amen? You run with punks, you'll be taken as one. You run with gossipers and backbiters, you'll be seen as one. Did, did you ever stop to, to, to think, you know, when, when you're hanging out with those people that always got to talk about somebody? You know those people that you're with and you're like, all right, who, what, what's the bochinche? Tell me, tell me. Oh, did you hear? This one thinks, this one, this one thinks she lost a little weight and she thinks she could get down with this. And this one thinks, and, and the gossip. Did you ever wonder, like, when you're not there, who they're talking about? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> or have you just not thought about that? You're like, no, no, it's never about me. It's always going to be about somebody. See, you run with gossipers and back, but you'll be seen as one. You surround yourself with people that are always negative, and you'll never do anything. Amen? 
Bad company corrupts good character, 1 Corinthians says. Singles, don't hook up or get married just not to be single. Can, can some married people say amen? amen? Don't hook up just not to be single. <clears throat> Praise God for your singleness. Praise God. Because it matters who you're with. If there is one thing that my wife would tell you, and, and if you ask me, I'd tell you the same. If there's one reason, one th- reason why we made 21 years married and still going strong, it's because, amen, it's because we both felt that God brought us together and that God has things for us to do. If it wasn't for that, trust me, she would have killed me in my sleep by now. Y'all know her, you know it's true. You got to know where God wants you, amen? All right. So Lot had gotten himself taken captive. Abram heard, and when Abram heard that he was captive, his nephew, he went, he grabbed some men, and he went after the enemy, amen? Listen, church, we need some spiritual uncles like that in church. We need men and women who, who, when they see someone's missing, they say, uh-uh, not one of mine. No way, no way, not one of mine. If I need to miss church today, I'll miss church today to find out where they're at, to go and get them back, to go and fight for them, to go and intercede, to do whatever I got to, amen? Not one of mine, amen? Come on. All right, so let's move on. So Abram returns from the battle. We're moving on in the story now. And he returns. You, you know the story. He brought back everything. He went. He's, he, he, he divided his little group of people, unarmed, unskilled, untrained. He divided his group of people and attacked the enemy from both sides. Because the, the, the people of God need to be strategic. Amen. We need to be wise, the word says. And so he divided, he attacked, and he took everything back. Everything. Not just his people, but everything. And so here he is coming back with all of the people and all of the goods that were taken. And it says, after Abram returned, watch this, the king of Sodom came out to meet him. Verse 18, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was priest of the Most High God, it says. And he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hands. So he blessed Abram and blessed God for Abram. And then it says, and then Abram gave him a tenth or a tithe of everything. Now, this is a weird little piece of scripture because when you, when you read it, you have no idea where Melchizedek comes from. You've never heard of Melchizedek in the past. Nowhere in the first 13, 14 chapters of Genesis is there a mention of a Melchizedek. Or is there a mention of a priesthood? Is there a mention of something else other than Abram, the father of our faith? Right? So, so we don't know where Melchizedek comes from. We don't know how he got there. We don't know when he became a worshiper or how he became a priest of the Most High God. We just know he's there. And we know that Abram accepts him, Abram acknowledges his position, and Abram tithes to him. 
Now, when we search deeper in the scriptures, as we should when we don't understand something, when we search deeper, we find Melchizedek mentioned again later on in Hebrews Verses, uh, chapters 5 and 7. And so we learn a little bit more about who he is. So let's look at Hebrews 7 to find out who Melchizedek really is. Hebrews 7 says this, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned the tenth part of everything. Listen, he is first... By translation of his name, King of Righteousness, and then he is also King of Salem. Verse 3 says, He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. So let's, let's put all this together, everything that we have together, and see what picture we get through through, through, you know, what picture the word has given us. Do you remember those 3D pictures that were, po- that were real popular a, a little while back? No? Remember those pictures that they were all over the malls? Everybody was buying them. They're called stereograms. Like, you stare at them and stare at them, and then when you back away, you see the picture. You guys know what I'm talking about? I never saw those things, but my friends used to say, no, no, look, look, you know, and you look at them, and you're supposed to stare at them for a long time, and then when you back away, you see everything come into focus. You know what I'm talking about? Kelly, Google one of those pictures and put it up there. No, no. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's one of those 3D... I used to lie anyway. People used to tell me, oh, you see it, you see it. And I go, yeah, yeah. Look, there's a Christian one. And so I'd be staring at it and staring at it. And then I'd be like, yeah, I see Jesus. Whatever. I never saw those things. But anyway, you're supposed to kind of move in and, you know, closely and then back away. So let's try that here with Melchizedek. Let's move in close the text to the text that we have, and then let's back away. It says, he's a high priest of the Most High God. It says, he's not only a priest, but he's the king of Salem. Salem means peace. So his name is Melchizedek, which means king of righteousness. Trying to get a picture of what we're seeing here. He's a high priest, and he's a king whose name means king of righteousness. Are you starting to see who who we're looking at here? He's called king of righteousness. He's also known as the king or prince of peace. Uh Uh-oh. Genesis says he comes with bread and wine. Hebrews says he has no beginning of days and no end of life, and his priesthood continues forever. Are you seeing it yet? Can you, can you see the picture? See, there's a lot of speculation. You can read all kind of crazy stories in, in commentaries and from, from some whacked out scholars. Some people say he was one of Noah's sons. Some people say he's an alien of an unfallen Adam. Craziness. I, I like to stick with what the word says. Amen? So the word tells definitely when we back away, Melchizedek is a beautiful picture of Jesus. Right? King of righteousness, prince of peace. He comes with bread and wine. Totally. It's a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. See, that's what I love about Scripture. It's, it's beautiful, but watch, watch. So he, here is Jesus. Now understand, this takes place 400 years before the law was given. And, 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 and before even an order of priests would be established. 
So this is 400 years before the law. Now, the purpose of the law was to just simply illustrate how far we are and how, how much we need to do to become reconciled to God. Stick with me. I know it's a little teaching here, but, but you kind of got to get this. The law demonstrated how much we need a Savior. That's all the law was meant to do. The law, God knows we could not perfectly keep the law. The law was to show us that we can't keep the law and that we need a Savior. Amen? And say, so, okay, so now the priests would later be established. God told them to, to, to have priests. And the priests would later be established in order to give God an acceptable service. But perfection never came through the Levitical priesthood. It was just a sign of what was to come. Watch this. They had a high priest. Right? In, in the Levitical priesthood, there was a high priest. And the, the high priest would be the mediator between us and God. And so this high priest would perform sacrifices for the forgiveness of our sins, right? He would, in essence, carry our prayers to God. That was the role, the function of the high priest. So, because we couldn't come to God in all of our sinfulness. Now, the problem with that is that the high priest was also a man. And how many know there's no perfect man? So it don't matter if you give me a priest collar, call me pastor, call me father, call me whatever. I'm still a man. Amen. And so I'm still going to be fallen. I'm still going to be sinful. I don't care if I spend 26 hours a day in a monastery by myself praying. I'm still going to be sinful because I'm a man. You understand? Right? Okay. So, so the, the, the perfection could never come through the priesthood. Because they were, the, you know, so absolute forgiveness could never come through them, only through these temporary sacrifices. And that's why they had to constantly be sacrifices. There was a sacrifice for this and a sacrifice for that. And, and you had to kill this for that and kill this for that. And blood had to be shed for that. And blood had to be, I don't know how they ever stayed Christian back then. It, it was difficult, you understand? And so... David prophesied in Psalm 110.4 that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek. Nearly 500 years after the law was given. Stick with me, hopefully it'll all come together. See, the original priesthood existed in Melchizedek who was a picture of the high priest, Jesus. You with me? Jesus who is the real king of righteousness, who is the true prince of peace, who has no beginning and no end. He became our high priest. And like, like Melchizedek, he blesses us and blesses God for us inter, in intercession. Amen? Now, we no longer, because of Christ, have to go to a high priest. We no longer need a mediator. We, we don't no longer need somebody in between us and God. The, when Jesus was hung the, and died on the cross, the temple, the curtain opened. It tore in two. <coughs> the, the curtain that gave entrance into the Holy of Holies. God, Jesus was saying, I'm your high priest now. There is no more mediator. Amen? And so that's why, listen, we don't need a priest. That's why we don't need a, a saint or a candle or a medallion of either. That's why we don't need to go to Jesus' mom. So in, in, 
Listen to the thinking behind that. We go to Jesus' mom so that we can give her our concerns so that she could bring it up at dinner before dad. And, and, and you know, it's sneaky, isn't it? We don't need a mediator anymore. We don't need to, to light a candle or this. We go right to the holy of holies. Jesus is our high priest. Listen, the Levitical priesthood was a part of the old covenant. And the old covenant required extensive sacrifices and coverings and rules and regulations. The new covenant was paid in full through the sacrifice of the son. Not through anything that we could do. The word says, even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as ransom for many. So Melchizedek, the high priest bringing bread and wine and a blessing, is a picture of the gospel in the Old Testament. That's what's so powerful about Scripture. It all works together. Only God could have inspired that. I know, man, we, we wrestle so much with atheists and agnostics, and, and we go back and forth, and they're always trying to put this doubt in our mind, right? They're always trying to say, oh, come on, the Bible was, was written by man. Come on, man wrote the Bible just to keep people in line, just to keep people giving money to the church. And we hear all this stuff to bring doubt and everything. But listen, the Bible was written by different authors at different times from different places. And it all works. It all tells a story. Uh, only God could inspire something like that. I haven't met a man smart enough to, 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 to orchestrate something like this. And understand that we have now found pieces of the Dead Sea Scrolls. We found pieces of Isaiah in its entirety. And, and these pieces match exactly what our word today says. Which is unbelievable. It hasn't changed. It's still the same. Amen? Don't let nobody feed you nonsense about the word of God. Man wrote it and you, you don't have to, you can't take it literally. You can't take, listen, you either take it or you don't take it. But, but don't belittle it, don't play with it, don't even bother with it. You either accept it, you can get with this, or you can get with that. Amen? Come on, man. Okay, so there's one last issue we haven't dealt with here. Abram. Here's where people start running out the church. Abram received his blessing and he, he gave, he, it says he tithed. He gives a tenth to the high priest. Now listen, if it's in the word, we need to talk about it. Is that all right? You never, trust me, you can, you'll never hear an entire message or an entire series on, on tithing and giving unless the Lord would have us do that and then we'd be, we'd be you know, um, obedient to do that but you know that's not what we're about but when it comes up in the word i can't avoid it is that all right because it's gonna have to be anyway see i can't just talk about the promises and the blessings without talking about the things that are tied to the blessings okay see like like living lifestyles that are acceptable to god we, we can't let the church get someplace where, oh, everything, come as you are, do whatever the hell you want, and it's okay, God loves you. God does love you. You do come however you want. But God loves you too much to leave you that way. Amen? 
And so, so, you know, you're in church 26 years, you should be different than when you walked in 26 years ago. Amen? Because I'll show you 10 people right here in the front row who are different than they were 10 days ago. Amen? And they'll put to shame somebody that's been here 15 years. So, so anyway, so, you know, we, we're supposed to be living like there's a light of Christ in us, amen? Living the way God calls us to live. I'm not up here to, to condemn or judge anybody, man. You do you. I'm going to do it God's way, though. <laughs> you want to do it your way, hey, we love you, we accept you, but we're going to do it God's way, amen? So listen, the tithe is tied to the blessing. Let me show you, and relax, there's no offering coming. Somebody just loosened up. Not, I'm not building up for an offering. The ushers are done. It's counted. It's away. Your $6 are safe and safe. We're good. Okay? All the change you put in today. Thank you. I'm the one that takes it to the bank. I got to drop all that change into the thing and have the lady look at me like. So Relax. So many people have so many issues with this because of their past experiences, and I understand that. Okay? But can I ask you a favor, sanctuary? Don't look at us through those glasses. Can I ask you, don't judge us by those experiences? Can I be honest with you and tell you I've been hurt by them too? And that's probably for like the first year and a half I, I was scared to say t- because I was so still gun-shy. I said, man, the last thing I ever... T- it'll be five years before I start talking about tithing. But then I realized I got a $7,000 mortgage to pay here every month. And then I realized that, you know, people complain because it's hot and there's only one, two, four, six... Uh, no, yeah, six tons of AC pouring in here and it's not enough. But that's still costing us a whole lot of money. And we just took a step of faith and put three grand into the, the side rooms because they told me at least if I cool that whole side, it'll bring down the temperature in here as well, but also help our kids and that whole ministry be comfortable. Amen? So some people avoid this topic completely, and, and some people will tell you, well, that's the law. That's the Old Testament. I don't, I don't have to tithe. That's the Old Testament. Well, listen, here is Abram tithing 400 years before the law. Uh Uh-oh, there goes that theory. Out the window, no law, nobody told Abram to do it. God didn't put it on a stone. God didn't hit him on the head with it. Abram just knew that the blessing is tied to the blessor. Amen? And so, see, he knows that the tithe is tied to the blessing. When we give, listen, we're simply recognizing and demonstrating where our trust is. It's the only thing that God says, test me in this. That's crazy. That's insane. For God to tell an ant like you and me, test me in this. Like, who are we to test God? I'm scared to say testing God in the same sentence. He could snuff me out, right? He could stop my voice right now. He could cut the air in here. We could all, like, not breathe. He could cut the oxygen in a, in a heartbeat. Like, who are we? Amen? But, but thank God that we live in, in the grace and mercy of the Father. Amen? Man. 
So, all right, Abram knew. It's, it's funny because some people get offended when you talk about tithing in church, but they have no problem tithing week after week to the little blue God that gives them numbers and the hope of a better life. Lotto. For those that are a little slow, I want you to you know, understand. The blue God is that gives numbers is Lotto. <laughs> See, Abram knew who his source was. He knew where the blessings come from. Church, he understood that the odds are better with God. But you got to be in it to win it. So the king of Sodom says to Abram, give me the people, <coughs> but take the goods. Listen, listen to, this is, this is God testing Abram right here to see if he really is who he is. He just gave a tenth of everything that he had to, to the high priest saying, God, I trust you. Here's a tenth of everything that you've given me because I understand that you gave it to me. And so the king of Sodom says to, to, to Abram, Take all the goods. Just give me the people back. But take all the goods. Can you imagine how much riches, how, how you know, the, the amount of, of what he's saying here? He said, take all the goods. Just give me the people back. And, and what does Abram reply to that? Listen, Abram says to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. What's he saying? He said, I know my God owns it all. He possesses it all. So he possessor that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. Abram, in tithing to Melchizedek, gives back to the Lord what God has allowed him to have. And really that's how we need to look at this, amen? He demonstrates that his trusts that he trusts God for his supply, rejecting what the world has, has offered him. And you need to understand something about Abram. Abram lived in tents because he saw himself as a traveler in this world. He said, my residency is in heaven. So he never set up a permanent residence yet. He's living in tents because he understands that his mansion is in heaven. Church, too many Christians are satisfied. They want mansions here and content with tents in heaven. It's good to have you back, Candace. It all comes down to this, church. Who do you trust? Who can you trust? And I'll just tell you, it'll show by where you sow. You didn't catch that? It'll sow by where you sow. You understand? If, if, if $15 in lotto every week is you, then you're sowing into this world system of fake millionaires and the promise of a dollar and a dream. I will, all right, I'll leave it there. Let me close with this. A little girl and her father were crossing a bridge. And the father was, was kind of scared. And so he asked the little daughter, sweetheart, please hold my hand so that you don't fall into the river. And the little girl says, no, dad, you hold my hand. 
And, and the, the puzzled father asked, what's the difference? And, and the daughter said, there's a big difference, replied the little girl. If I hold your hand and something happens to me, chances are that I might let go of your hand. But if you hold my hand, I'm sure that no matter what happens, you will never let me go. So she says, so you hold me. Church, when you put your trust in God, when you truly trust in Him, you're not saying, God, I'll hold your hand and walk with you. And, and maybe that's the problem that many of us have. This is the relationship we've had with God. We say, God, I'll hold your hand. I'll hold on to you. But the problem is, just like that little girl understood, and we should know now by, by experience, when something happens to us, when the storm rises up, when it gets hard, when challenge comes, when struggle comes, we might let go. And so that's why constantly you have people kind of, you come to church and you got to repent and you got to get saved all over again. Because, see, you never let God hold you. You've been holding on to God. And you know why? I know why. Because I've done it myself. Because when I hold on to God, I'm free to let go of Him whenever I need to. When I, I'm holding on to God, I'm free to say, wait God, I don't want to take you into this area of my life. And so we, we have this thing, it's, it's almost like a trust because we're saying, God, I, I trust that you'll be there, that I can reach out to you and, 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 and hold on to you, but I'm not letting you hold on to me because then if I let you hold on to me, I know you will never let me go. And that means everything that I do, you'll be there. And everywhere that I go, you'll be there. And every single place, every hurt, every pain, every good, every bad, you'll be there. And some of us are scared of that. Come on, worship team. You guys can come. See, we need to come to God with the attitude of our heart saying, Here, God, you hold me. Because I know when, when things happen, I have a tendency of letting go. I know when, when I'm scared. I know when I'm, I'm, I have a tendency, man, of not trusting and pulling back. And so we're saying, God, you hold me. If, if, if that's your heart today, would you just stand with me? Would you say, God, I want to trust you to the point where I, I'm not going to try to keep holding on to you. I'm not going to try to, to constantly, con I just, God, I just, I'm, I'm, I surrender. I'm just giving up. I need you to hold me. If you're trusting God today for the first time, I want you to know two quick things about the hands of God. Two things that I love about the hands of God. <clears throat> the first one is John 28. God, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. No one. 
can snatch them out of my hand. And the second thing about God's hand, I want you to see, it's Isaiah 49, speaking of Jesus. He says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. You need to really get a picture of that. Some of you might get offended if I put it this way, but it looks to me, you know how some of us, we tattoo people's names on our, on our body, the people that we love. Right? We tattoo our daughter's name, our husband's name, our girlfriend's name. Right? We, we get these tattoos of people. God says, I have engraved your name in the palm of my hand. How many of you know that that engraving process is permanent? And even though some of us, we do cover up tattoos, right? You see people with a big flower in a weird place and you're like, what's that about? Well, that was a boyfriend's name that I put there when I wasn't too smart. Well, that was my first wife. Well, that was... See, but God doesn't do cover-up tattoos. Come on, somebody praise God. Get excited. God doesn't do cover-ups. God said, I've engraved your name in the palm of my hands. When you say, God, you hold me, he says, no one can snatch you out of my hands. Come on, let's worship, church. Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known, by forever daddy, oh how we love you so. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.